Hi there, Jen Ponton. Hi there, Lillian Bustle. What you doing here on All the Fucks? Um, well, actually, while you were in the bathroom, um, and I was going to just tell you this, but I didn't tell you this. I, I was checking Twitter, which I told you <laughs> is my new thing, but I just got a little thing that made me go, oh my holy shit. Um, the, the <laughs> Blacktop Barabi, B-A-R-A-B-I-E, like a bear, I guess, uh-huh. um, at Dopest Queen Uno. Nice. Followed me and then immediately tweeted, Lillian Bustle will forever be the reason I started loving my body, and for that I am always grateful. And now I'm gonna fucking cry. And I have not replied to them yet, but I'm definitely going to because that made my whole day. And my day was already going pretty well. Oh, honey! Yay! That makes me so happy. <gasps> that makes me but, so happy. Oh, I it is very hard. It is very hard in, in, in when I have been doing so much in-person stuff for so long, and that's how I feel like I get feedback from people. I know I'm not, like, lost and forgotten, but I know I'm not the only artist and or activist who feel this, feels this way either, oh, yeah. where it's just like, what am I doing? Did I ever make a difference? Does any of this matter? Yes. And the answer yes. is always yes, because of course it is, and everything that you do and everything that I do resonates and has ripple effects. But anyway, it was beautiful. So... Um, shout outs to uh, dopest Queen Uno, and I look forward to following you. Bless you, girl. And also something that has been floating my little heart to the surface lately. Um, I've been doing all this hand lettering stuff, yes. and in that, it made me think about this author and I don't know, cr- uh, I don't know, creative um, butterfly person. Uh, who goes by Sark, and I don't remember her actual name. This is the poet um, you love. That's why it rung all those bells in my brain. Yeah, she's not specifically a poet. <laughs> um, I would say she's more, she was more like on the cutting edge of like 90s, new age, positive thinking stuff. Cool. And um, like tapping into your creativity. Mm. And I definitely found her in high school, although I'm not sure how far she goes back because uh, this is 1998 but this is not her first book um this book is called the bodacious book of succulents and it says daring to live your succulent wild life um the first thing i saw from her i think was in um one of those catalogs where you get posters like posters and bumper stickers like the pyramid collection or something like that um and it was just this beautiful, colorful, handwritten um, stuff that just said things like, eat mangoes naked. And, like, all of these little tiny inspirational things that were so colorful. And, like, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because it was really on the verge of when I started being like, oh, fuck you. I can do my life and be my creative self however I want. So uh, doing all this lettering made me think about because she handwrites her books. I mostly. love her little monster right there. I oh know. Oh, that's your inner critic. That's your that's inner critic. That's a great inner critic. Jesus Christ, I love that. And I took this book down from the um down from my shelf and I, it's just been sitting around and I haven't hadn't really opened it up. And I was having a day where I was really like having a crisis of confidence just in general. Oh, um babe. and I opened this right up to um <clears throat> procrastination <laughs> um and interestingly enough it, gifts of procrastination there are exquisite pains and gifts with rec- procrastination um and talking about 
like um, moving past your blocks and and getting rid of inner critics and micro momentum which I think is a really cool concept like just little it's just like look inside yourself and find your good shit and don't hide it from people like Mm. give the world your good shit um Mm -hmm. and uh so then I went on Facebook and I was like huh I wasn't even intending to look her up Sometimes Facebook with the new layout will show you live videos that have happened within the past week for people that you follow. I forgot that I followed her. I haven't thought about this in so long. And then it was like yesterday, Sark did a live thing that was all about tapping into your creativity. And it's a free hour long workshop. And I was like, yes, ma'am. So I like I tuned in and I happened to have my my whiteboard nearby. So I was like using some of my lettering to write down some of her little inspirational things. Yes. Um, and um, I wrote down things like um, acknowledging that I have expertise, see your dream, activate your dream, move without proof. Um, do your, do business with your fears. You're the best channeler of your dream. And I, I mean, this stuff just flows out of this lady. Um, and she also, um, does private coaching, which is out of my price range. Oh, however, yeah. All right. (laughs) If I really, really wanted to do it, I think I could make a month of it work, but it is a lot of money. And I was like, Hey, Hey. Hey, I've got that in me. You definitely I've got that do. in me. And I don't need to pay somebody else to be watercolor butterflies for me. I probably but. should not divulge this, but whatever. In general, what I've learned is that when you're a coach, when you offer coaching services, what your client is paying for is really the handholding of it. Because sure. in general, yes. nine times out of ten. There's not a whole lot of secret sauce that goes into that high price individual coaching right. that is not accessible by whatever your other offerings are, whether you've published right. or whether you do webinars or like a massive class that's way more affordable or even like your Twitter feed where you give out weekly tips. Like that is your secret sauce. And then what people pay for in coaching is just kind of the accountability with you. Yes, and the personal attention. attention. And and there was, when I was thinking about whether or not I wanted to try to make this work, part of me was like, oh my God, if I could go back and tell high school me who was like obsessed with writing things in colorful marker all over the place and really feeling like this was the cutting edge of, or at least the edge I was about to jump off of creatively, mm-hmm. that I was going to be working with her for a month, I was like, that is great yeah that is amazing like i would be like holy shit you made it (laughs) definitely and again i don't i don't really think that i need to do that but it is a nice thing to think about in the future in case i have an extra two thousand dollars there is um there's another there's a uh, uh mama gina's school of womanly arts i feel like you must be aware i am i actually i know somebody who works with them oh yeah yeah Yep. So I was referred to Mama Gina's years ago, and it was just a little bit too, I mean, it's honestly, in my opinion, too communal. I would rather have something that I can just do on my own. And for that, Mama Gina wrote a book called Mama Gina's School of Womanly Arts, and I have actually not read it yet. 
so here I am giving a review of a book I've never read that I'm dimly... Uh, in fact, I was going to read it at the beginning of this year. I was really excited yep. because as I was like, mm, I'm going to be coming out this year and I kind of feel like I want to really work on my feminine energy uh, and sort of see how it all feels in me. I was going to read this book and then pandemic happened and I was like, well, too depressed for this. No. <laughs> but basically it's about nice. just I would be interested to hear what you have to say about that yeah. yeah and I mean I could definitely be up for it now and it essentially it's really it's about divine it's about the power of feminine energy existing specifically for pleasure and I don't I don't mean that exclusively sexually although I don't not mean it sexually but uh, but pleasure in every in, in just having a joyful life and how the divine feminine energy in everyone who who it whom it inhabits is all about like softness and community and um and pleasing and enjoyment and like and flirtation fits in there because flirtation is such a natural state of of pleasure of interacting mm-hmm. with somebody no matter what the end game may or may not be like it could be the most innocuous thing with someone mm-hmm. of any gender um but just like how the pursuit of pleasure in its divinity plays out in every in every human interaction and can and you know quote unquote should because why not make life more connected and pleasant for you but mm-hmm. um yeah, that that kind of um, approach to harnessing that's and cultivating that side of yourself. Yeah. So uh, we I've been thinking a lot about gender stuff lately, um, <clears throat> specifically because of all the anti-trans stuff that's been happening in the news one of the reasons why i've been thinking about all this so much is because something came up recently called a super straight um, Mm. or the super straight movement um there's there have been um there are 24 states that have recently recently proposed bills that are uh, anti-transgender um specifically targeted towards kids whether it has to do with um keeping young transgender people from getting the gender affirming medical care that they need or um, keeping, I'm going to go ahead and specifically say trans women out of women's sports Um, because that seems to be the focus here. Mm. Uh, And I hear a ton more anti-trans stuff about trans women, but maybe that's just my lens. Um, No, I think, I think that's, true because i think i think in the very like and you and i as at least currently identifying cis individuals don't have this scope on it but i think that there is something innately mm, disempowering in embodying feminine energy so for trans women and trans femmes even if they have socially been treated as masculine in the past Something Mm -hmm. about, um, and even if you are misgendered as a man, if you are trans femme or a trans woman, like, to occupy that space, even energetically, 
is a more imperiled place to be as I as I understand it because sexism sure it's this the center of all of that yeah. um uh uh all of the intersections yeah yeah um I mean not the very center but it coming into the core uh and so somebody on TikTok was apparently like um, I'm going to call myself super straight. I invented oh, this new idea. sexuality because um, I got called transphobic because I wouldn't date a trans woman. So let's all be proud about being super straight. Um, Kyle then relayed a conversation he'd have with someone who would call him transphobic. Uh, and we should put a content warning on this episode. Um Yes. You know, they're like, would you date a trans woman? No. Why? That's a female. Um, No, like, that's not a real woman to me. I want a real woman. And then the person says, no, you're just transphobic. He went on, so now I'm super straight. I only date the opposite gender, women that are born women. So you can't say I'm transphobic because that's just my sexuality. Ew. And now people are jumping on this. And it is, uh, it's another, it's again, like, nobody actually really cares who you want to fuck. Nobody, <laughs> nobody cares. gives a shit. <laughs> nobody cares. Um, but that's not what you're saying. You're completely invalidating and, right. and uh, attacking an entire group of people. Um, right. And I thought this was – I lost the link that I was looking at, but um, someone did a clap back that was like, actually, um, you know, if you're saying that, you're actually – excluding a whole group of women so maybe you're straight impaired <laughs> i love it i love it and honestly for for these for these truly dingbats who are like bah, bah, super straight i only like that look this is the default god assumption. they're the same they're the same fucking men who won't wipe their asses because they think it's too gay to touch their own oh butts. my god i can't believe you talked about real me we've talked about it before look that. it up on reddit you horrible disgusting people <laughs> One of my favorite things um, on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, uh, there's an episode called Frank Reynolds' Little Beauties, and Danny DeVito's character gets roped into hosting a, a, a children's beauty pageant. And he's so concerned about everyone thinking he's a diddler. So when the gang, when like... Did you say diddler? Yes, that's literally the word he okay. uses. So when the gang is trying to figure out like what, you know, how they're going to basically William Shatner oh, no. all this and like curate and make and like make an original song, Frank comes oh, into the room word. and he's like, oh, you got to You got to write something about, you know, like I'm not diddling kids. It's no good diddling kids. And Rob McElhaney goes, Frank, there is no quicker way for someone to think you're diddling kids than to write a song about not diddling kids. <laughs> right. And that's what super straight makes me think of. Like, you don't have to go that hard to to protect what you think we care about your sexuality being. Yeah. Like, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna go that hard about being super straight, spoiler alert, you're probably not super straight, and you fucking know it. Like, okay, yes, no they, quicker they way. Don't protest too much. No quicker way. I think that gender is a very complicated thing to to think about and talk about, and it is. It's so wretchedly oversimplified for uh, for us, like through history, um, it, 
and it's not uh, it's it's obnoxious first of all but it's um i think detrimental in in so many ways to think that anything is ever black or white you know oh yeah yeah, yeah um, exactly. And people who are mad about what other people are doing, whether it's how they identify or who they love, like, um, obviously, ha- they have something going on within themselves that is causing turmoil that is then bubbling out of their mouths in the form of hate. There are so many states that are nurturing um, discrimination against transgender folks, especially kids and students, um, that this Equality Act is going to help ensure that people can just be who they are without other people's garbage. Um, And growing up, um, I don't think that I ever, even if I had been faced with the concept of non-binary, that was not necessarily something that I would have clung on to. But there were plenty of times in my life where I was like, faced with what the world thinks a woman is and either feeling like I was not not qualified to participate or just felt like it was dumb. (laughs) Yep. 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 Absolutely. What a fucking racket. Yeah. Everything from like um, the shoulder pads thing I was posting about like women in business trying to have to be more masculine to compete um, from um, feeling pressure to wear a ton of makeup um, like uh having a specific shape of your body and a specific sh- i mean shape of your face mm-hmm. um glasses even like i felt like i leaned into being slightly androgynous in how i dressed and how i i lived <clears throat> because i felt like that was my only option i have always right. been the first to reject a club that doesn't want me for sure yes yes because the only freedom that you could perceive for you to be yourself mm-hmm. was was in a more androgynous tomboy direction i can relate to that entirely because i was like well there's no way that i'm ever going to be accepted by the feminine mm-hmm I'm already breaking so many rules. Oh God, I felt I felt squeezed out of so many girls' clubs over and over and over and over again. And I wanted to be a tomboy, and for a while, uh, more as a kid rather than a teenager. As soon as I really started to like develop, I was like, okay, well, apparently my body is conforming to this in some kind of way. But, um, but I especially as a kid, I I wanted to be a tomboy so badly. And I also felt like I couldn't meet those requirements because I was so bad at sports. Same here. I was about to say that. So- I was about to say that. I'm not like um, running, jumping, climbing trees. Like I'm not, I'm not making all of that happen. I like to get dirty. Catching frogs. Um, yeah, I like to hang out with frogs. I like frogs. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I grew up in the woods. And, um, just, uh, but yeah, it felt like to be a real tomboy, you needed to be athletic. And that was never something I was going to be. Right. So I didn't, I didn't. Go on. Sorry. There was so much innately, 
implied. So like, yes, I could wear I could wear the flannel Baja. Yeah. I could I could pretend that I could climb a tree without falling down. It. Right. I could sit in a low branch for a little while. Uh, and read poetry books of course why did i not know this sooner exactly (laughs) i i feel like in those years where i was very uh where i was where i was realizing right where so where the socialization is happening and you're like okay everyone tells me i'm a girl and here i am and wow but i don't fit into any of these girl things Mm -hmm. and now you're telling me and i have to be skinny and i have to do this and i have to do well my body's not fucking doing those things oh and then what surprise here's a period (laughs) yeah right 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 and so to have that experience and to feel like well i guess maybe i can move into tomboy territory oh nope definitely not that nope i I have to play soccer now photos for us and I hated my time at this camp might have been Hidden Valley it was a shit week I didn't like it but what how they were having us pose was with a soccer ball I wasn't at soccer camp of course I wasn't at soccer for camp for Christ's sake that was the only way to make camp worse is to mandate my uh-huh. my playing any kind of athletics oh my lord um, could I just pose with I'm- a uh, what is it called a shuttlecock <laughs> <laughs> A badminton racket. Girl, I watched that fortune. I watched that fortune femester uh, (gasps) special over the weekend. She's the best. She's the best. I love her so much. I love her every day. Every day she brings me joy. (laughs) And there's a point at which she was like, "Can I just wear these umbro shorts?" And I gagged laughing because that was the exact moment in time where I was like, okay, this is the one thing that I can do that will be authentic with who I am in the world will accept me. Uh But I will say, as a deeply feminine person as well, like, mm, that that was what I wanted. I just wanted the world to be less garbage to... To the yeah. parameters of what it was to be feminine. Yeah. Like, how dare you tell me I'm not femme? I am super motherfucking femme. How dare you? Right. Um, yeah. Well, I'm for, I've talked about this before, but I'm for a long time, um, like, I I felt excluded in a, in a bunch of different ways, like, as I was getting older, um, and I didn't know about, like, anti-chafe sticks and things like that, mm. um, and was not, like, encouraged to wear shorts under skirts necessarily. Like, being, looking feminine involved wearing possibly control top pantyhose, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, uncomfortable shoes for my poor little feet that were already having problems even in high school. So um, much pain yeah. inherent in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my bras didn't fit until much later, not correctly. Um, I was afraid of things being too low cut, but I didn't want them to be too high because then they would be on my double chin. Like I, oh, so I was I like, remember that concern. Oh Fuck. god! And then I was just like, <laughs> okay, jeans and a t-shirt with with the the friggin' Montreat cross from that place that I loved <laughs> all the time. Crosses that on cross crosses. Is huge. <laughs> 
but his, it was it's pretty big um but that was that was in my defense like hanging over your baja jacket as your arms are lifting of course yeah i mean that summed me up with like birkenstocks right like that was and i was like let's call it a day this is this is the best that i can i feel like i can do this is how i can move through the world without worrying about my thighs without worrying about my boobs like I yep and then once I had that I mean I was also constantly trying to dissociate my my brain from the rest of my body like I was like this is my head my brain in a jar and the rest of this shouldn't matter um so I didn't so then later in life, like, that was why my femininity just fucking exploded when I was like, oh, wait, I've discovered right. ways where I can wear these dresses that make me feel pretty and feminine. And I don't have to wear pantyhose. Oh, Florida taught me I never had to wear pantyhose ever again. <laughs> Thank you, Florida. <laughs> I walked out. I went down there and I was like, nobody wears hose down here. And I was like, oh, right. Of course, nobody does. It's disgusting. Um, mm. uh, so, yeah, once I was able to, like, mitigate having a swamp crotch and or painful thighs and or painful feet, um, that was when I was like, oh, I get to pick the kind. And I guess what there's so many different terms, but I think that hard femme was kind of where I landed when I was looking at things as to how I where it's like how you navigate the world. Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's always combat boots and a sexy dress, right? Yes. I'm never yes. going to be yes. like a stiletto pump, fully beaten face. Like I've got combat boots, I've got a low cut something, and I've got red lipstick. And then the, my hair might be a mess. More boobs to distract from the shoes. <laughs> always. Always boobs saying? to distract from the bad shoes. <laughs> and it works every time. Life lesson. I actually pointed that out to someone recently and they were like, oh my God, you're brilliant. Yeah, but yes, uh, it's a great rule. Yeah, it's a great rule. But, um, you know, between being afraid of being too feminine because I was around so many boys and I was so scared of sex, but I, like I wanted to feel sexy and I wanted to make out with people and I wanted to be seen as a girl and I was not, uh, I was not pulling that off. I don't think, <laughs> not on a consistent right. basis. Right. Right. Yes. Like the the extent to which my fatness uh, opted me out of other people's visions of sexuality, and the uh, and right. the extent to which I I created that for myself. Like it's the lines are so blurry, and defeminizes you. Yeah. I, I mean, and and not that it not that it earnestly does, of course, but it's so insidious how. That it that is all automatically such a defeminizing thing, and it's why, I mean, honestly, it's why more mask women and more like gender queer lesbians have have the freedom, mm-hmm. quote unquote, to to occupy a more defiant a, a body that defies femininity because it's not as mandated. I would argue. Uh... And, and I'm not say, I'm not saying that I don't think that I I sometimes think that fatness is overly feminized, um, mm. and I've seen that people run into mm-hmm. trouble who want to pre- present masculine. Even myself, like when looking at like the Robert Robert Palmer girls, like with their hair slicked back, 
and very um like very cheekbony and they were wearing like kind of feminine dresses for sure yes, but but yes. but that like getting being able to ha- slick your hair back and have this strong powerful countenance like Grace Jones yeah okay perfect perfect I felt like that was never accessible to me either because oh god no I, because my body was shaped wrong to again right. quote unquote pull that off and yes, I know yes. a lot of people mm-hmm. who are curvy and um uh, who are assigned male at birth and uh, want to either just get into drag or are fully presenting as female have mm-hmm. have expressed that it's nice to have extra curves to help round yeah. things out in curvy For ways. Sure. Whereas sure. if you have a lot of boobs and you are dealing with binders all the time and things like that. Oh. It's not only complicated, but it's expensive and can fuck with your breathing. Like Yes. And it's apparently really bad glandularly. Probably. As well. But um, it's a it's a whole other challenge to be taken seriously for however you you want to present. Yeah, so I think then the adjustment there is not that it's um is not that it's masculine feminine fatness. Uh, but, but that it's, it immediately is disempowering, no matter how you identify. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Because then whether because you're under-sexualized or over-sexualized, neither one is your, um, in, in, in your grasp. Like you're not in control right, of that. Yeah. Right. Right. And both of them are about being lesser than. So for like, for fat girls, cis, trans, or otherwise, like, for fat girls, yeah, it's immediately seen as you are the bottom of the barrel, right? Right. So you are not deserving of autonomy or choice or consideration or anything mm-hmm. because you're just a fat girl. And uh, and I think we see that fat phobia, that disempowerment presented, especially in, like, the cis gay guy com- community. Oh, for sure. Yes. Because it is, it's, it's, it's the way misogyny is presented and how softness is mm. presented. Mm. And so I'm like, my heart breaks when I see these gay cis dudes who are otherwise like really doing a great job in the world and creating a more equitable place and fighting for what's right. And, um, you know, and, and to see that gaping chasm, frankly, which A, LOL, but B, like, legit. <laughs> <laughs> to see this gaping chasm of, but it's such a culture. It's such an upheld culture of, like, fat phobia and needing to constantly be on a diet and not eat carbs and blah, blah, blah. Like, all of the bullshit. Oh, yeah. Um, the I was whole talking reason to that. that skinny girl margarita exists. I know. And White Claw, that's the new thing. And white, white claw, because white claw yeah. is a less feminine version of that. So like guys can be like, yeah, can oh yeah, because it's like a claw, like whatever, fuck it all. Yeah, yes, Ooh. right, um, right. And uh, 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 to that point, um, a conversation that I had, I feel like I became mostly started searching out answers for my questions maybe like five years ago. Like, I feel like I was going along with the discourse about general identity politics in general. Um, But when I first was like, oh, I have actual questions about this. Maybe I could do some fucking research. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. and talking to my friends. What, so what I was seeing in the gay community was, well, you have bear bars, so therefore you're more accepting of larger bodies. However, that tends to be um, feeling only accessible to hypermasculine versions of larger bodies, including mm-hmm. lots of hair and maybe lots of muscles and like you're barrel chested, right. but obviously you are this this version of a man that is still masculine and therefore desirable to other men. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. And uh, all I was seeing was that the, the that if I was a woman who looks like me and I was trying to hook up with a guy that there was no bar for me to go to <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where I yes. would, could cruise and could find that. Yeah. Um, but it's so much, so much more complicated than that. Like so on so many fucking levels. Yeah. Extremely nuanced, complicated mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, and I don't think that I knew, I think that my first experience with any sort of alternate gender presentation was definitely drag, but it was mostly Mm. cis men, um, dressing as, you know, a cartoon of a woman. Um, it was less, Mm. it was always about theater and less about identity, at least the way I was experiencing it as a teenager, being around mm-hmm. drag queens. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure that it was much more complicated than that. But when I moved to New York and then I started doing stuff with um, like the the different women's theater collective that I was and around different kinds of people, I had uh, I had a lot of questions and no Google, you know, and yeah. I'm sure that I said a host of hurtful slash problematic things, hopefully not to the not to the people about whom I had questions. I don't think I've ever been the kind of person who was like, your body's a puzzle. Solve it for me. I've never been like that. But in other conversations, I was like, well, I don't understand. Like, if a drag queen, if I'm only seeing a drag queen as a performer, and I happen to know that 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 person has gotten top surgery, um, Mm -hmm. uh, did that person do that to make more money as a drag queen. Oh, or is yeah. that person transgender? Like right, I, right. and I didn't, I mean, the end of the story is it's none of my fucking business. <laughs> For sure. Yes. Yes. But I also but think I there are stepping stones in, that are important that, uh, that are about curiosity and care. Right. Right. So like, yeah, at the end of the day, it's nobody's business but theirs. Well, but- well, and that that question really only started coming up in the in the popular conversation with with Peppermint on Drag Race mm-hmm. coming out as trans because um, RuPaul has said some really gross shit about uh, yeah. trans women in the past, and I think that he's coming around. But like, by and large, saying things like you know, women don't belong in this space. Yeah, yes. I remember um, in one of the early seasons, somebody comes out as uh, as a trans woman and and leaves the show. And I don't know if it's because oh, all of a sudden wow. they're in... I remember the way it was edited. I can't remember which queen it was, but she was great. She was lovely. And she was like, you know, they're all the, all the really 
dire music is playing as they're all at the end of the, the runway and they're all being judged. And, and you know, she's like, I have a terrible secret that I've been keeping from you all. And we're all wondering, like, what the fuck it is. And she's like, I'm not just a drag queen. I am a trans woman and blah, 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 blah. And she, I want to say she left the show that episode. And I don't know if that was because all of a sudden, you know, she was invalid as a drag queen because she no longer was uh, letting anyone believe that she was cis male or what. Yeah, I mean, it's Honestly, super... I'm surprised it hasn't been a more trans-inclusive uh, space, but... Right, yeah. Um, and that, like, I kind of didn't understand when I moved up here and saw like trans men doing drag king stuff i didn't understand drag king stuff at all when i got up here even though it seems like it should be obvious um and being around that community and getting to know and understand like not only what the art is but the impetus behind why anyone would do it is it made me come to terms with the fact that i felt like i was not allowed to be a girl (laughs) for so long and I had never ever put it in that perspective never ever 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 until I witnessed all of these other people doing all of these liberating things and claiming and grabbing onto and like fucking eating mangoes naked Mm -hmm. (laughs) um that uh you know you you feel like who you feel like you are and the world will always perceive you one way or the other Mm mm-hmm but a person's I don't even know where I'm going with this. Um, but but being um, not, in, not not integrity, what's the word? being intentional, intentionality mm. and and the way the space that all of that takes up in your own life. Now I'm just word salading. I that's okay. I think I mean, I don't know. it is it's confusing and it's expansive and we're pretty new to it in a number of ways and so I think that that's um I think that it's okay that it's baby steps and (laughs) well it's also it's also everything is as nuanced and it's I think it's so beautiful um I have a friend who uh has a kid who believes that they are trans and um my friend uh, was talking about how she's seeing a lot of kids questioning their gender right now. Um, that her mm-hmm. now son uh, is surrounded by other kids who are going through this. Um, and as a parent, obviously, she has a lot of questions about like how, what her role is in all of this, and how best to mm-hmm. support her kid. Mm -hmm. Um, and I hear people say like, well, now it's just trendy, like (laughs) trendy, (laughs) but I remember uh... people talk about that with college where people are like, oh, people are just slightly gay in college just because everybody is. And, Mm -hmm. and that's like, Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe, or maybe none of this is the black or white that we think it will be and we just have to we feel like for whatever reason we have to try to pretend for the entire rest of our fucking lives except for the small window of time when we're allowed to try other things 
Exactly. Maybe there's something very telling that the only time that you've ever allowed yourself the freedom, and this doesn't apply to me, but maybe there's something very telling if the only time that you felt that you were out from under the observation and control of other people's expectations, you allowed yourself to do something that you really wanted to do. Right. That you really wanted to be a part of you. Yeah. Yeah. And and seeing that kids as young as like 11, 12, 13 feel like they can even have those conversations with their parents right now. That's amazing. Amazing. It's amazing. And to be honest, isn't it really the only rational approach to the world? Yeah. I I would hope that this becomes the norm, right? Yeah. Puberty is terrible. (laughs) I mean, I can see, I can, I can see multiple reactions. Oh God. Did you ever have anyone in your life who like when you got your period, they were like, you're a woman now. No, my mom. And this is, this is something else I want to talk about. My mom. And I, it probably helped. Honestly, it probably helped because if she had been a more feminine aligned by the book, Mm-hmm. woman, I wonder if I would have felt even more excluded and like, well, fuck, I don't know how to do this. And this is a lot of work and it also feels kind of shitty. So I have a feeling it worked out in my favor regardless. But my mom, my mom subverted a lot of femininity. A lot of it. Mm-hmm. She was never a makeup person. Ever. I mean, we're we're both very light-haired. So she put on, she used an eyebrow pencil, and she used mascara, and that was it. And she didn't have a whole bevy of unguents. Yeah. She had Noxzema and cold cream. My mom and loved And that's Noxzema. what went on her motherfucking face. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I loved Noxzema, too, by proxy. Noxzema will never not smell like my mom. Aw. Uh, yeah. And she, she actually, she uses more shit now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, like when she was in her, th- when she was my age, she was using Noxzema cold cream and putting mascara on for work and that was it. And like fucking shoulder pads and and business suits. And my mother has also had short hair for my entire life. Huh. She used to, like only in high school did she have like really long strawberry blonde hair. Because it was yeah. the 60s. But, um, yeah, I mean, my mom subverted a whole host of femininity. And I honestly think that she only did whatever feminine trappings that she did, that she performed in order to be taken seriously at work. Because she was also a badass working woman. And she, to the point where, like, she got into her job by... She ended up working at a high-level position um, in her company that she was with for 35 years, Um, a job that by any other measure should have required, like, a bachelor's degree. My mom didn't go to college. She went to secretarial school. And she worked her way up to this advanced level 35 years later after starting work as a secretary. Wow. She's... That's she rad. She's a tough bird. Yeah. She's rad. She's very smart. Very no nonsense. I love her. And 
I mean, I'm glad we're similar in the ways that we are similar, but there are ways in which I just look at her and I'm like, how the fuck did I come from you? Oh, like, same with my mom. Come on. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. <sighs> um, and she, so I feel, and, and when I got my period for the first time ever, I mean, I guess I knew what to expect because we had had the health class mm-hmm. about it, but I was about to go babysitting, and it was December, and I was like, Aww. I was like, I need to go to the bathroom, <laughs> and I sat on the toilet, and I started crying, and I was like, Mom, and she's like, what? And I was like, there's blood in there, and she's like, okay, here's a pad. It's your period. You're fine, and I was like, uh. Okay, so there was no, like, ha, ha, oh, my, ha, little, ha, my, ha, my little lady's a woman. There was none oh, of that yeah. garbage. It was just mm-hmm. like, this is a part of your life. Now you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, mine was, I was so, I felt so incapable of talking to my mom about any of that stuff. And my sister, when I was younger, nobody closed bathroom doors in my house. I do not know why. Um, but I had seen my sister change her pad a number of times. Um, not like I was sitting out, like, watching. Yeah, but, right. like, I would be brushing my teeth and she'd be on the toilet. Sure. It's family. And apparently your family was naked all the time. Oh, God. So I have much better boundaries about bathrooms. Um, <laughs> ugh, whatever. But, um... Uh, 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 um, I understood the concept and also my mom used OB tampons and there was always a box with a little diagram lying around. So like I understood the concept. I still mm. was like the whole like putting your foot up on the toilet to get a tampon. And I was like, this feels like a lot of gymnastics to do for this. Um, but I think that what I actually said to her, I mean, I would have liked she had been making such a big deal about keeping me out of all the family life and all the health classes that had anything to do with sex or or puberty or anything like that. I still knew everything anyway because kids talk to each other and I know like what an encyclopedia is. So I had the bare bones. I think what I said was I went to, I, she was asleep, which she always was. Um, and I went in to wake her up and I said, I went to bed with white underwear and I woke up with pink or something <laughs> dumb where I was like, please don't make me say the word period, basically, is what I was trying to go for. Yes. And she literally said, you know where the pads are. And she rolled over and went back to sleep. Um, <laughs> yes. And that exactly. was how, like, I would have, I did not want her to be mad or weird about it, but I really could have used some fucking help in that moment. Any, and I did not even ask my mom to, to even help to the point of like, what do I do now with this underwear, right? <laughs> yeah. But um, I, it did not make me feel more womanly. It made me feel completely disgusting. And the next mm-hmm. day, I was I was doing a peer teaching thing at this museum because of fucking course I was at like twelve years old, and um, I remember I wore a skirt. Because I was so worried about navigating the pad thing and worried about it leaking onto a pair of jeans. So I wore a flouncy kind of denim skirt. And I must have gone to the bathroom like 400 times that day. If I was the supervisor, I would have been like, you, something's wrong. You should go home. <laughs> but once again, oh no, barely any supervision. I don't even remember having like a boss. I remember walking in. <laughs> I remember walking into the museum and getting to my spot and, like, setting up all of the little costumes we were supposed to help the other kids dress up in and setting up all of the colonial toys. And I don't remember 
any supervision. Anyway, um, it made me feel gross. It genuinely never felt like, oh, what a blessing. And like, oh, God, no, it was never like, oh, I'm a fertile. No, no, gross, uh, gross, um, uh, horrific. For me, I was always like, something's wrong. So it was less like, this is gross. Uh, and inconvenient. So inconvenient. So inconvenient. So inconvenient. And yes. just like, ugh. So also, let's also remember that I was ADD and growing up in a hoarder house. <laughs> yes. So yeah. like the strikes yeah. against yeah. me feeling like, uh, like a, a clean, put together person who could handle something like that. I mean... Oh, it's just insane. Um, And to that point, I mean, part of that plays into the fact that I never, when I was younger, I actually didn't even really fantasize about getting married, but I definitely didn't. Me neither. Wasn't baby crazy. Like I never babysat anyone. I didn't like to be around babies. I didn't, I've changed a baby like three times in my whole fucking life, but there are some kids and a lot of younger girls who know that they want to be a mom at a very early age. And that was never me ever, yeah, ever. Even though I liked, I liked kids. I just liked other people's kids. Mm-hmm. I liked being around babies. I never, ever wanted to be a mom mm-hmm. ever. Oh God. I overheard my sister and her friend who either was, I think my sister had had her first baby and her friend was about to have her first baby. And they were talking about the really nitty gritty, nasty shit that nobody ever talks about. My mom was not there. Um, and I remember the, it was the first time I heard the term mucus plug. Oh, I was just going to ask you, was it the mucus plug? Yeah. Whoa. No. And I, and then talking about like, actually when your water breaks, like what actually happens? And I was definitely in middle school and i was no. just like oh, oh maybe early high school no. and i was just like this is no it was it was it had to have been high school because my sister fuck i guess i didn't know about this for a very long time it was definitely high school um oh my god uh, and then i was just like never i don't want this ever i don't i don't want this ever and no why the fuck would you right it's literally alien it's it is. and then you're treated like shit because it happens sorry no no <laughs> So, and what you know, the fuck? I have all the power in the world to people who want to have children, no matter what their gender is. But that does not make you, yeah, oh, we, like okay. bearing a child and or becoming a mother does not make you more or less of a woman. And I do feel like I'm at a part of mm-hmm. my life now where it's the like, um, what is it? Um, maiden, matron, mother, crone, or something like that. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I do. And as a person who never wants to be a mother, it does make me feel like, well, what is my footing as a woman at this time in my life when so many people want to define a woman by that? Empress. Yes. I love that. Empress. You're welcome. I will be happy to claim that. (laughs) Ugh. And then watching, like, watching my male friends struggle with feeling like they... You remember, do you remember when boys, did you hang out with boys a lot in elementary school? No. Well, I didn't, I didn't hang out with anyone in elementary school. This was my pariah time. Although I did have a frenemy and I had Brittany, but 
Mm, I suppose I kind of did because my neighbor, my my very my no good very bad neighbor was a boy and super fucked up. Hated <laughs> him. But I did hang out with him, so sure. Okay. So the answer is unfortunately yes. Okay. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> Uh, my experience was definitely very, very different. I didn't have a ton of friends, and I definitely got picked on a lot. But I did have a handful of male friends who, looking back, um, maybe skewed slightly more feminine uh, at the time, but not even necessarily just boys who had not been corrupted by the concept of toxic masculinity yet. Mm. And watching what happened to them as we grew apart then in middle school and then in high school where I was like oh well you are now fully unrecognizable as the person who I used to like even talk on the phone that time well totally and again the young ones don't know but like there's a time at which boys would talk on the phone and it was fine but then you were only talking Mm. on the phone to girls if you were trying to date them later on right right right. and oh no I remember this uh and I this one guy that I'm thinking of like uh, it was like I felt like he had been possessed by another s- spirit or demon. He was just, no, there was not even an inkling of the boy who I adored and didn't even have a crush on. I had so many. It's just such platonic love. I know. I had. Child. And the fact that we pushed that on to kids, too. Like, right. the, if you are hanging out with with someone uh, yeah, it's so sexualizing to children who, for a while, just, like, before any of that really hits their awareness in an acute way, mm-hmm. can't... Yeah, that was definitely how I felt with, with the neighbor boy. Like, the the grossness that I'm bringing to it and the cringe that I'm bringing to it is because he grew up. Mm. But we hung out together so sweetly. Mm-hmm. As children, and like I, almost more like siblings. Like I would get annoyed with him. <laughs> like have little periods of time where we did, like didn't talk, and it was like it was very unsexualized entirely. Right. And somewhere around ten years old was when he who he got really sexual with me, and it 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 uh, it was very. Um, it was not, it was not an assault by any means, but it was very much, he, he was talking to me in a more sexual manner. He had created what he referred to as a sex fort in the back and invited me there. And I was like, "Eh, no, I'm going home. What the fuck is happening? Like, (sighs) no interest in what you're doing right now at all. Freaked me out royally. And it was like something in him chemically socially whatever had changed right and all of a sudden he was not this sweet boy who was essentially just my brother who was my my playmate mm-hmm. and like if we were ever not playing it was just because kids piss each other right off and not because you know not because i was like oh the energy from you is different and right. like for years for years he he the energy from him was very like, ugh, I really want you to kiss me. And then I would be like, no. And he'd be like, well, then fuck you. And I was like, oh. what the what the fuck are we doing here, uh. man? Like, 
Now I have to live next to you? Mm-hmm. And so, it, of course, it only got worse as we got older. And by the time I was in high school, two other girls, because it was just us, Shane and I, uh-huh. next to the cemetery. But in high school, two, a family with two teenage girls moved in on the other side of us. And I was like, oh, thank God, girls. And the girls were like, oh, no, Shane. And Shane was like, so many girls. It was literally like, <gasps> go home, Roger, from Sister, Sister. Oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, Sister Sister was so cute. It was it was a great show. It's on Netflix again for anyone who's just craving some nineties delight. But yeah, like the the twins, Tia and Tamara, have to live next to this very sweet boy, uh, who is enthusiastically into both of them and constantly trying to uh, like he doesn't really have a crush on one. He's just always trying to mack it to both of uh-huh. them all the time. Mm-hmm. And so the the line is go home, Roger, because he's just always over like Urkel. Oh, yeah, or like Urkel yeah. with Kelly, except, oh. wait, Kelly was her real name. Uh, I don't remember character names. Urkel, Urkel, Kelly. I know who that is, but I don't remember who anybody else on that Urkel. show is. Urkel and, um. Yeah, the, the sister, the girl, the, sis- the daughter, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and. Um, Laura. Laura, right, right, right. Laura. And no matter how, I think it's even worse to paint boys like that as clowns. Yes, right, because it 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 makes it lovable, and it's not right. setting the stage for the horrible shit they're gonna do in the future. Mm-hmm. Because you fucking know they do. Because then they go ahead and do it. Right. <laughs> exactly. Over and over and over. Over and over. <laughs> And are validated by the comic clownish portrayal of these of these boys who mean well and just oh yeah kind of like shut the fuck up no no men no. are uh, men are socialized to stalk I think yeah yes yes and then we we in alignment with that are socialized to to feel like prey romanticize that oh okay all right no you're right you're right. Yes, and. We are taught, yes. Yes, and, both. Yep. Yes. We are taught to put up with it, to embrace it, that boys just hurt you because they like you. And mm-hmm. that teaches us to be grateful for any attention that we get, whether it's good or bad. And then mm-hmm. and then that in, um, creeps insidiously into the entire rest of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> Unflaggingly for the duration of life. Yeah. Yes, it's it's uh it's terrible. I totally I totally know what you mean about like just the sweet uncomplicated nature of of cis boy children before everything encroaches on mm-hmm. it and and before they turn into different creatures mm-hmm. altogether in whatever way that is, you know? It it is insidious. It's not it's not always like, wow, what a dick. It's more like, oh, wow, what a manipulative and entitled, right. uh, constantly mm-hmm. pursuing creature you are. Great. Mm. Validated by everyone and everything to do exactly what you want. Every storyline. Yep. Every storyline. Yep. Every hero. John Hughes movie. John Hughes. And I love John Hughes. And I hate that. Ugh. I hate that. Yes, all of that is so validating for 
for the for the cis male experience and so completely it feels like entrapment right it does it is <laughs> it literally is. it literally is it's I think, such a trap. I think the experience. best thing that could ever happen for our society at large is for everyone to deconstruct gender. Yeah. And to like pick right? and choose what works for them and come out of it on the other side. Well, and here's something the fuck else. So, because I didn't yes. feel like I was accepted by um by women at at large. Um, yes. And because I did not feel like I had the right to claim my own femininity, the concept of feminism as itself as um, something that I understood to be a lot more complicated than just women are equal to men and should be treated equally, um, which right. at a crux is what it is. That was not how it was right. presented to me ever. Um, and, and you know, you would hear people being like, oh, those harpies and like bra burning yeah. hippies and blah, blah, yes. blah. So uh-huh. I was so scared. I, I didn't know what kind of woman I could be to be accepted as a woman. But I was like, oh, God, well, if men don't like that kind of woman, I can't possibly try to be like I was trying so hard to be liked. Uh, yeah. that, that And it seemed to me that both men and women didn't like that kind of woman. Right. Yes, that's true. So that's true. I was definitely the kind of person who would have said like, well, yes, I believe in equality, but I'm, I wouldn't call myself a feminist. I would have said that Absolutely. probably until like 10 fucking years ago. And now I look back yes. and I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God. Yep. I probably made it all the way through 25 before I was like, oh, yeah, I suppose I... I suppose I am a feminist. Yes. And, and like to the point where... To the point where even in college, like the women's center was absolutely painted as this radical place, but in a judgy way. (laughs) Of course, it's a radical. Yes. And that was my experience (laughs) with like the lesbian community when I moved to to New York, where it was like, we're accepting of everyone except probably you. (laughs) (laughs) Right, 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 right. Exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I remember I, um, acutely feeling like, well, fuck, I don't fit in anywhere because I'm not ready to f- smash the patriarchy. Like, I can barely keep my head above water and keep a job. Like, <laughs> I have no yes. extra time to hang out at Blue Stockings and find out more about the women who tore down these walls for me because I don't feel like any walls have been torn down for me. Right, right. They're all very much still up because I don't abide by any of these oppressive rules that that negotiate both of those areas for Oof. sure. And, and, t- and like for me, I, there were definitely um, the, a way in which I was bullied that I forget about often Ooh. is that I, I know is that there were several people who were like, who, who taunted me as a lesbian, several Huh. Um, like using that definite. as a as a bad word against you to make you feel yeah, bad. Yeah, right, of course. Yeah. Of course, using it as a slur and, of course, as someone who did not feel that way, did not identify that way. But also, if I did, to do so would be incredibly damning mm-hmm. and dangerous, right? So, but, but I also did not feel that way and, uh... And found myself in like dance class with um, with a bully who constantly talked about me 
being a lesbian and my frenemy who also did the same thing and uh, what didn't help what didn't help (laughs) is that one time and I told you the story um, literally a million years ago but it's so good and so cringy I I was with that frenemy online in the early days of oh yeah (laughs) and you were like what are these what are these lesbians talking about man man I just it's so it's a girl I just want to give that poor kid a hug so badly I would have done the same thing I mean tell give the give the folks a capsule who have missed it but in like 1997 fuck buddies I was I had the internet because my my dad was a networking guy and so we had internet access pretty early and the thing to do was go into Yahoo chat rooms and you could pick by selection but I was a very sheltered child so you know Lillian and I have talked about those chat rooms being really super duper sexual uh, I was not aware that that was what was happening I was like oh these are just people who come to congregate, where, however they identify. So I'd open up, you know, like, um, cowboys or, like, people under 20 or people over 30 or whatever. And I was like, oh, people, people, people. And then they had a section for lesbians. And I was like, I'll open that. And I knew what it was to be a lesbian. Like, we had a couple of, um, of queer lesbian couple friends in my family. But, uh... My friend of me got really freaked out. Mm. She started panicking. And she was like, why are you doing this? What are you doing? And I was like, I'm just looking. Like, I wonder what they're talking about. I wonder what they I wonder what they ate for breakfast today. Right. Mm, bad example. Really, really bad example. <laughs> I, I wonder what they're reading. Oh, my I just, God. I just pulled off my head. Oh, Redacted. <laughs> Damn it. Nope, I, I love wonder, it. <laughs> I wonder what they're reading. I wonder what their favorite show Sure, is. as Whatever, much as you right? would wonder about a cowboy. Exactly. Where you're like, I don't know a lot exactly. of this. What are you up to? Yeah, right. Because I'm just a kid. And so my friend of me freaked the fuck out. was like, nope, I'm going home. Nope, nope. And we lived close enough to each other to ride our bikes over or to walk over. So she just took herself home. And I was freaking the fuck out. And, and I called her house and she didn't pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. So I left a message oh, on right. the answering machine where I was like hey listen I'm really sorry I freaked you out by going into that lesbian chat room I didn't mean to scare you (laughs) call me back on the family voicemail on the family landline (laughs) answering machine I love it and her (laughs) mother called my house immediately and was like Jennifer what are you doing what are you doing and I'm like I'm looking at people on the internet like I truly could not even conceive of what I had done that was so bad right but obviously the expectation was that it was going to be the you know essentially like (laughs) whitehouse.com And be this, you know, like a porn. Like a SWAT team was going to swoop in and be like, yeah, who's the lesbian? Yeah. 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 So like, so then all of a sudden that was now part of our, 
uh, of a friendship that I had, that there was this, like, fucking paranoia. It was like the goddamn Red Scare. Yeah. It was like McCarthyism. And all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, someone would have a thought that, like, and, like, another friend of me, I had these amazing, amazing, uh, like, fucking Doc Martin Mary Janes that were off-brand. They were only like 20 bucks, but mm-hmm. they had big leather flames on them. Yeah. And they were so rad, and I wore them all the time. And this frenemy was like, flamer. And I was like, what? No. <laughs> what? No. But like... <laughs> yeah. So there, so there was actually quite a, quite a good deal of uh, I mean, it wasn't the most acute bullying. The most acute bullying was like, you're weird and fat. But then it was like, ah, you're probably gay. <laughs> so, yeah, it just, there. I felt like there was nowhere that I belonged or could belong. And I was like, well, if I'm going to lean into this. But what did kind of take over, especially as adolescence really locked in, was also the, the need to be the cool girl. Oh, Yeah. And I don't mean in terms of cool like you and I are actually cool, of course. I mean cool in terms of not caring about anything, not caring how anyone treats you or makes you feel mm-hmm. because Putting you up are with other people's garbage. By... Yep. Whoa! Yes. How much garbage can you withstand from any individual and how pleasant is it still to be around you in the wake of it? And so like <laughs> Yeah, so there was so much focus on being the cool girl, which also meant I never really tried in a feminine way, but mm-hmm. I also had to try enough to still, like, uh, to still be fuckable or whatever, right? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I feel like this is diet land all over again. Ha, 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 Absolutely. Um, yeah, but, like, also, but never, ever wearing a dress, only wearing just, ow, just enough makeup. I got eyelash in my eye. Um, only wearing just enough makeup. Definitely always being like just flirty enough to be approachable or whatever, and to and to withstand and weather all the garbage shit that the that the cis boys that I hung around with. Yep. Had to say mm-hmm. about girls at large. Yeah. Oh and yeah, to be the cool Ooh, girl who could, who could just listen and be like, whatever those basic bitches or whatever we said at the time that meant basic bitches and right clearly wasn't that because that's new new cool kid terminology, mm. but like yeah, oh. uh, that the feeling of having to occupy a very masculine space and be there but also not be coded as masculine mm-hmm. because then that would also like, just fuck it. I I never realized this before, but what you just said made me think of. Um, like, a handful of times that people tried to be like, oh, you're a lesbian. You're a dyke at me. Um, mm-hmm. I was not upset at, that someone perceived me as a as a woman who wanted to fall in love with or have sex with women. I was specifically worried that it might make me fully undateable. <laughs> that people oh. might might put me into this like place where I was yes. like I'm already having enough problems with boys like <laughs> yes absolutely mm. I I think I can relate to that a little bit yeah I mean there there was 
Sure. And, right. and, 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 like, I really thought that there was maybe three ways to be a lesbian, right? Like, exactly. Even, right. Even right. up until, I'm going to say 2005, there weren't, yeah. there wasn't. And that's, that's pretty, yeah. That's pretty early yeah. in my, in my estimation. Sure. And when I was, when I was hanging out with, um, uh, the, that theater group, I, I, it very much was, you are hanging out with these women who love women, but you don't seem to belong in any way. So you must be the straight girl outsider. And I didn't even feel like I had an opportunity. I felt like when I did go out to the clubs and they were like, kiss a girl, that I was being like taunted or that I was like a pet. Right. Where it wasn't right. like, And it felt oh. very novelty too, yeah. Where, yeah, but not to me. I felt like I right. was being you were in novelty. a fishbowl. Right, exactly. Yes, yes. And um, I don't know. Everything about it was completely uncomfortable. Um, yeah, I uh, bet. Uh, uh, oh, mostly though, like it, when I think about like what I thought a lesbian looked like, mm-hmm. um, there was this. My mom was so weird. She, like, was very religious, but she was interested in occult stuff. I think I've told you before. And there was a witchy store. She liked the New Age store, which is how I got into Sark. Um, But beyond the New Age store in Norfolk, I think, there was a head shop that was right next to an actual Wiccan store. And so I think I found out about it from going to the head shop and, like, going with friends to buy music and incense and tapestries and shit. And next door... What was it called? Was it called House of Sappho or something like that? No, no, no. That can't be it because Sappho was the name of the lady's dog. So it was um, it was a big, beautiful, short-haired, don't-give-a-fuck lesbian in her probably late 30s who ran this Wiccan store. Glorious. Glorious. And, and also at the time, my friend was going to a Unitarian church. So, like, I was recognizing folks who looked like this woman in alternative faith communities mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. and I loved all of that. Like if you put me back in my high school years and you were like, you can pick a religion, any religion, I think I would have been full on pagan. I think I would have just been like, let's, (laughs) let's run around this Maypole and like go camping naked. I think that I would have really, let's find a fairy ring. Exactly. (laughs) Um, and, uh, uh, but I was like, well, I'm not like that lady. I'm not, yeah. I don't, and I don't, I I just didn't relate to fucking any of it. Yeah. I will say, and I think I've mentioned this before, but it, um, she had at the store, I remember being like, what are those bags? Are those bags? What are those bags? She was like, yes, these are purses made out of bull testicles. And I was like, cool. <laughs> and then and then i believe she and my mother went on about a long a long conversation about wishing that they could castrate all men so hey uh understood yeah but and all of this to say like i never at any point have i ever felt like someone should be marginalized because of who they feel like they are or how they relate to gender in the world. Or who they want to be with. Like, I always saw right through that shit when that started coming up in my religious circles. Always. I was always yeah. the first 
without any doubt, without worry of someone like a uh, pigeon holding me in any way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, fucking nature and nurture, man. What the hell? For sure. For sure. And I, and I also feel like so much of what I was able to absorb of queer culture was so directed at cis men, too. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. Like, I, uh, 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 go ahead. Say, say your thing and I will come back. Oh, I mean, just like the celebration of the celebration of being a gay man. That is, that is the birdcage. Sure. Or the celebration of being gay and in the drag world that is Tu Wong Fu. Like, all of that was available to me, and definitely, but there was never the same, there was never an equal opportunity given to that experience. No, no. I remember. Ever. On such a public stage. No. Ever. The the girls who I knew were coming out at that, at at the early 2000s i remember people being like oh you have to see high art and like a couple of these other like quintessential lesbian movies at the time and Mm -hmm. i was like Mm -hmm. i don't Mm -hmm. get those either yeah (laughs) right 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 Right. and why are women afforded the such a discounted access to that celebration like fuck off well, I mean, because it's really fun to shove women down and make them Because misogyny! Because <laughs> misogyny, and there is no right way to be a woman. They're all wrong. <laughs> They're all wrong. <laughs> They're all wrong. Well, and to that point, to that point, um, I, I mean, I understood, probably through 80s movies, that men like to watch quotey fingers lesbian porn. I mean, yes, right, the world right, would be a right. much better place if there was more actual lesbian porn widely available, as, yes, especially sure. to, to cis straight men so that yep. they could actually see what, like, I don't know, joy looks like. Yes. <laughs> so bef- long before I even had heard the term male gaze, I didn't realize that when that m- what guys were watching and talking about was definitely like porn with two women in it, but created for men. For um, sure. Which is a stark sure. contrast with, like, actual erotic films that are made by women for women's consumption. Um, or mm-hmm, even, mm-hmm. I will go further and just say, not for men. Made for not men. <laughs> Ex- a thousand percent. A thousand percent. Right. Right. Um, it's, it's so... Uh, it's so oh, well, well, and to and to that, because that was I was like, oh, men love lesbians. That was that was that was something that was a thought in my head. It wasn't like a belief. Totally. So yes. when Boys yes, Don't yes. Cry came out, um, my friend Carietta um, was also, uh, and she was confusing to me because she was a very butchy girl, and she she identified it as a lesbian, but she was in fact um, engaged to a cis guy. Uh, so that was all very complicated, but you know whatever. What isn't people going to um, people? People gonna people, and uh, we were. Wa- I don't know if I don't think I watched it with her, but I was talking about it, and I was like, I don't. Why are people so mad? Why would anyone be so mad? Um, at either a lesbian or a woman who was living as a man. I think is probably how I said yeah. it at the time. Yeah. Right. Right. Um. Given the and, era, yes. 
And she was like, oh, Hillary Swank's character, like the person that she's portraying, was not doing that to make men happy or horny. And that's why they hated her. And I was like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. it's not for you. So I must it's kill not for you. you. Oh, oh, it's so violent. And, and that opened my eyes to... I felt something absolutely crack open. I remember that moment where I was like, oh, my God. And then she told me about things that had happened to her because of the same same reasons. And I was just like, fuck. I, like, I would have never. I didn't know. Right, right. But and if I but if I feel like I'm getting microaggressions for not being a woman in the right way. Oh, my God. <laughs> for sure. For sure. At least you're trying at least you want mm. guys to fuck you. God, ugh. If you don't, God help you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is, it's terrible and insidious, the homophobia that is then directed towards AMAB individuals, mm-hmm. for sure, and also horrifying. But, like, what makes it so egregious and enraging when it is directed towards AFAB people or women is, like, that it's only really about you saying, how dare you be something that's not for me? Right. You're not palatable. Ah! Uh, yeah. And it's not it's not a direct equivalent. But that's what that's why fatness makes people so upset. Yes. Where it's yes. like, oh, you are not. I want to consume you. You are a woman. I have a right to consume you. Yep. 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 Why? And how how dare, dare you, you not work to want me to want that? Ew. Oh, it's, it's, oh, it's awful. That is an awful, awful reality. It's, it's so gross. So all I'm going to say is if you've ever been a, a dude who feels that way, man, look the fuck inward. Gah. Ew. Cool. Oh, man. Well, that was a lot. Ew. Oh, my God. This was so much. <laughs> but it's thank you for thank you for this, though, because it's a lot of it's been bubbling over to, for me. I mean, and we didn't even yeah, get into sure. the oh, I would just like to say before we go um, that if you see the term. Uh, f- so, Jen, I we've used the terms AFAB and AMAB in here um, assigned female at birth, assigned male at birth, um, cisgender means that you were born with a, a gender that you then identify as. That you're like, yes. you agree. Oh. Cisgender means that you agree with the gender that you were assigned at birth. Right. Um, right. And transgender means that you do not. Right. And um, TERF. Whether that's in or outside of the binary. Yes. Correct. Inside or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why, which is why someone can be uh, non-binary or gender non-conforming and trans at the same time. Obviously, there's lots of layers, and we are not the the go-to people on this, but there are a million resources out there for you, and if this is confusing to you in any way, it's constantly changing, so of course it is. For sure. But, and it's really just, it's the willingness. Like, we're, we're not going to get it right, because right, first of all, there is no right. Secondly, no, it's, a moving it's really target, just about being, sure. <laughs> it's just about being nice to people. Yes. It's, it's at a, the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. It's about being, it's about respect which is something that is, is really at um a premium right now in this country 
Um, But also I want to talk about the term turf and swerf, which come up a lot. And that's uh, either trans exclusionary or trans exclusive radical feminist. And what that means, that's the women. It's usually women who, um, although I guess you can be a turf and a guy. No, I never even thought about it like that. Uh, Why not? Equal opportunity. Why not? Sure. Um, Everyone's a dick. Saying saying that thing that we were saying at the beginning, like, well, that's not a real woman. Saying, saying, like, I am a feminist, but my feminism only extends to to cisgender women. Um, um, It is also and uh, Swerf is sex worker exclusionary radical feminist, which is self defining. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like I will stand up for all women unless you happen to be making money off of your own body. Right. Uh, and so you'll hear people talk about, um, fucking JK Rowling as a turf. Uh, who very much is and, very disappointing. And I think that she, um, has empowered a lot of people to come forward and be like, oh, she's making a lot of sense. Uh, no. And it's gross. And it's gross. It is super gross. And shouldn't and also, even be a conversation we have. No, and anymore. and none of the arguments even make any sense. But right, fine, whatever. Like if you're people, gonna people. If your Apparently. vagina is that important to you, for fuck's sake, I'm imagining someone trying to peer out of a vagina. <laughs> like parting the curtains. My vagina is eight miles wide. I miss that song. <laughs> Someday you'll sing it again. Yeah. Um, I would embrace yeah. the world with my vagina. That's <laughs> I fine. You would. I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of stubbornness innate in turfy behavior. There's so much stubbornness in the. In the navel gazing of your own suffering, that you cannot see the forest through the trees. You know what? So yes, and this reminds me of when I was trying to talk to the city council members when we were working to change the obscenity ordinances. When I was trying to get gender removed from the fucking laws in Jersey City, which why gender is a law anywhere on the planet? Go fuck yourself. But um, for real, I was talking to one of the council members and. And I was like, you know, this is we need to speak up for people who who don't have voices as loud as other groups. And 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 maybe this isn't the primary concern of trans folks who are literally just trying to fucking live. Maybe they don't care. Maybe maybe people genuinely don't care about this particular thing, which I am I'm working on and are not coming out in droves because it's not this is a symbolic thing. This isn't going to affect somebody on a day to day basis. This is this is. A grand and not insignificant gesture, but a gesture all the same. And, and, and like, I'm trying to work to amplify voices. And she actually said to me, we had to fight for civil rights. I fought on the front lines in the civil rights movement. Maybe they need to be louder. Wow. As if to say, black people made their voices heard. Trans people should do the same. And I was like, isn't the whole reason why we are here to try to lift people up? It's a marriage to the struggle. It really is. And, it, and, it's, and it's terrible because the whole, the whole point 
is to eradicate such struggle for so many people. But when, but people are people and spite builds up and resentment builds up and a whole life of fighting for your, for your quote unquote, for your own battle. Oh my God. I will never forget. I will never forget. And I, I do have recorded somewhere a few of those conversations, but the conversations that I had with those, with the council members who genuinely didn't understand gender at all. Like, did not wow. straight up, flat out, did not fucking understand gender. Um, you know, I say that's alarming, and then I think about what's going on in federal government, and I'm like, no, that's that, that tracks. Mm. <laughs> that tracks. Oh. That was a big one. That was a big that one. That was a big one. We've been talking um, for four hours. <laughs> holy shit. Five? I mean, I love it. I'm here for it. Hooray. Yeah. Bully for us. Bully for us. I love that that is in your in your uh, vernacular right That's, now. Yeah. Yes. Yep. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't even have. I don't know what I have. None of us do. That's part of the reason why I talked about this. Yeah. Yeah, fair. Uh, I don't know. I just, I just, like, just fucking compassion, man. Just have some compassion. Just some fucking compassion. And the, yes. And, and also, you don't need to, you don't need to personally know a person to be able to grok the fact that people are, deserve to be treated with dignity. And we'll also say, if you, if you find yourself struggling with any of the questions that we've struggled with, Mm, reflecting on your life or feelings that you're having right now that's all that's all okay you're not alone no (laughs) the people who aren't i think are fooling themselves but yeah um i don't know maybe there's there's some people out out there (laughs) who are are fully formed self-actualized individuals i don't know uh, super straight has to apply to someone gross well i mean so i mean uh, and going back to that whole thing like it, it's not it is not the the reason why it's offensive is because it doesn't just stop with like this is the this is the shape yeah. of the genitals that i would like to interact with exactly that's not where it exactly. stops it's so dumb why are people persistently Persistently, persistently people. I know. Yeah. All right. Okay. Wait. Wait. Let's. Uh. Huh. I don't know. What's gonna. What's gonna feel nice? What's a nice <laughs> as thing a at the end? Off? Um, what's a nice thing? Because holy fuck. Can I read you something nice from Sark? Maybe. <laughs> Please. Yes. I would love uh, that. Is there? Uh, uh. Oh. Here we go. Hmm. <clears throat> This is uh, a quote from Rainer Maria Rilke. Be patient towards all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves like locked rooms and like books that are written in a very foreign tongue. Do not now seek the answers which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. That's it. 